Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello and welcome to another action-packed episode of the Open World Podcast. I'm so happy you could join me today. I'm here with Matt Pryor calling in from Hong Kong. He And Matt here, he takes adventure to an entirely new level. He makes even me jealous uh, with his exploits here. He's a world record holder for the highest altitude reached by a taxi, over 17,000 feet. He's a former fighter, jet pilot, adventurer, and photographer. He recently completed the world's first circumnavigation of Lake Baikal in winter on ice in a World War II-era motorbike. Uh, his very first adventure began almost a decade ago when he and a friend drove from London to Mongolia and back in a $180 car. He has uh, traveled across India and Sri Lanka on a rickshaw and uh, driven across Peru on a motorcycle. I could continue on here, uh, but <laughs> let's just say he's done some interesting stuff. And he's also created a website, Matt Pryor Adventure Academy, which is at uh, WP, uh, mpadventureacademy.com. And it's a one-week course that teaches people how to conquer and enjoy extreme travel experiences. I'm really looking forward to this interview, and I think it's going to be so much fun. Matt, thanks for joining us. No, good to be here. Good to be here. It's been a long time coming, so I'm glad we've actually uh, connected. Yeah, and I think it's going to be so worth it because you know sometimes the interviews that are the most difficult to schedule turn out the best, in my experience. So. <laughs> well, let's hope I don't disappoint. <laughs> oh, you don't seem like the kind of person who disappoints. <laughs> I'll try my best. So, Matt, tell me a little bit about your backstory and your bio. How did you end up where you are today? Where do you come from? Um, it's a bit of a long and windy road, but um, I guess it all started from pretty much the age of 12 when I saw my parents coming in. They were, work, they were both working very long hours. Neither of them were very, very happy. And um, I, I don't know, it just struck a chord with me as a young kid that this is not how I want life to go. And um, from there, I sort of went on a bit of a mission to find out, find the perfect job, in my opinion, as a 12-year-old child. And um, after lots of research and putting my answers and qu- questions and answers through those career machines, it kept saying military, military, military. So then I sort of dug into the military. And long story short, I thought, right, I'm going to try my best to be a fighter pilot everybody around me laughed people at school were just like no chance teachers and all that sort of stuff and um yeah i sort of dedicated my life to doing that so at the age of 17 i applied and failed which hit me for six a little bit i was almost so naive and so driven i hadn't even considered what would happen if i didn't achieve what i set out to do um decided to go to africa and thought i'll have a little bit of a reset uh, go and do something different and then see what happens after that. Um, came back, joined university and in university joined the reserves and then at 20 years old managed to get a scholarship into the Air Force and I thought, sweet, life is set until I'm 40 years old. This dream, I should, I'm on the conveyor belt now so as long as you perform, this should happen. Um, and off we went. And then the plan was, as it was coming to the end of uni, it sort of dawned on me um, that I'd signed my life away for quite a long time now and there'd probably be quite a few things in the future that I'm not going to be able to do like go to any country that I want to and get time off whenever I want to and my life's going to be quite controlled 
so I had this crazy idea in inverted commas of just I thought I need to go on an adventure and so let's go backpacking around the states I thought it'd be quite fun a British accent go and see if the ladies of America appreciated that and um, yeah see what happened what actually happened is um, we went drinking on Christmas Eve and I woke up Christmas Day with a bit of a headache this was oh god now uh, almost 12 13 years ago and um the only real memory I had was about this. Somebody was planning to drive a shitbox car from London to Mongolia. Now, this is quite well known now, but back in those days, it, it really wasn't. And I was sold. I thought, this sounds like a great plan. This is far more adventurous. So I rang my mate up. We got a map out and got a big red pen and drew a big line through the so-called most dangerous and crazy countries in the world. Um, and bought a car for, like you say, £150. And off we went. No planning, no research. Literally, we had very little money. We got sponsorship for absolutely everything you could imagine and set off every single day while camping, whichever way the sun was rising, obviously east in the northern hemisphere. That's the direction we went. And from that trip, it basically turned my whole life upside down with how I look at things and putting everything into perspective, what's bad, what isn't bad, the media, propaganda, what we're told, and maybe you should question a lot more than what sort of is presented to you. Um, after can I, that... Can I ask I, you, that I, was, um, yeah, was yeah. 12 years ago, so that was at the height of the Iraq war, correct? Uh, so this was 06, and we're pretty much, what, 2017, 18 now? So yeah, 11 years ago, 12, 11, 12 years ago it was. Okay. Um, but as you can imagine, the Middle East still had a very bad name. All the stands had a very bad name. Go to Iran, you're going to get in trouble, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, that they were that, that's what really interested me. I was like, I really want to go and see what these places are like with my own eyes rather than have somebody <laughs> tell me what they're like. You sound um, so much like uh, Mike spencer Bowne, who we featured on the first uh, episode of this podcast. Have you heard of him? Uh, I haven't heard of him personally, but I, I just I, I can't help it, uh, Danny. I've always been, even again, even as a small kid in classroom, especially any sort of geography classroom, I'd always stare at the map and I'd always think, I wonder what a boy who's, if I was nine years old, another nine-year-old boy is doing in this country right now. I, I've, I spoke to Derek uh, Loudermilk quite a lot about this as well. It's just within my blood. It's not really something that I can control. And that fascination is still with me very much today. In fact, I've got a little globe that I'm looking at right now. And that's <laughs> largely how I make my decisions based on curiosity. I wonder if it's something in your genes, you know, that you're uh, attracted to these dangerous countries, to these extreme experiences, because you sound so much like Mike. You know, he was the first uh, first backpacker to go to Mogadishu, for example. And okay. He's been through Iraq and Afghanistan during the yeah. war. You yeah. Know. I'm just fascinated. I'm fascinated by, um, I just see everything as an, as an experience at the end of the day. And I just think, well, that will be a far more interesting experience than doing what everyone else does. Do you have any, any Um I think with a lot of the stuff that I've done up till now, it's taken almost all of my fear away. Um, obviously, there's there are some situations where the sort of hairs stand on the back of your, um, on your arms, on the back of your neck, and just think, okay, your body is telling you maybe this isn't a good plan. But apart from that, I genuinely think that I've put myself through so many different experiences I've got so many different mental reference points that not much phases me anymore, which is cool. But it also means that to get me really excited and scared, I now, I now have to sort of push boundaries quite far. 
Yeah, I've noticed that too. You know, once you've experienced enough like worst case outcomes, you, exactly. no longer, you no longer fear them. And, you know, you can like say, okay, well, this might fuck up or fail spectacularly, but this is... But what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, and this is, you can predict it and you can say, okay, that's really not that bad. And this is exactly how I'll bounce back if this doesn't work. And then you no longer fear like the worst thing happening because it's like, well, it's not really some, it's just an inconvenience. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, when I was a bit younger, uh, early 20s, there was um, a sergeant who I used to hang around with quite a bit. And his sort of ethos based on military stuff that he'd been through is, he was like, as long as no one's dead or pregnant, Matt, it's fine. And I was like, okay, well, what if you get to a situation where someone is dead or pregnant? And he said, that's when you need to worry a little bit. I said, all right. I said, I, li- I like that. And so I've, I've had that in the back of my head, basically, since, since my early 20s, so for the last decade. Served me well. So you ha- you're not dead yet. Have you uh, had any pregnancies? <laughs> not that I know of. I shouldn't say that on a podcast, should I? But no. <laughs> no, no pregnancies. Not to my knowledge. Um, dodged that bullet I've dodged that bullet and I've experienced death not me personally but obviously um, people close to me and it it does sort of definitely make you think twice about things but um, how does death uh, impact your life you know how does it uh, guide the actions your daily actions and how you choose to live your life um, I didn't think we'd be going off at this tangent so early on in the story, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good to talk about actually. And, um, I think a lot of people do internalize this sort of stuff. And, um, I think the biggest thing death does is it makes you look at your own life. It's like anything, you know, when people have big accidents or, or something like that, it really makes you sort of check yourself and look at, look at everything and just think like life is pretty precious and we only have one life. And um, no one's immortal and we are all going to die. And am I making the most out of this time? And am I doing what I really love? And am I doing what I want to do? Or am I letting sort of fears and petty things basically get in, it, get in the way? So I think it, it really helps in terms of perspective and it really helps, in, helps you in terms of realizing what's important and what isn't important. So for me, I think it, it, it definitely did. It definitely does that. And whenever you fear any kind of failure or looking and, and you know, humiliating yourself, looking embarrassing yourself, looking foolish, um, all that fades away when you're faced with the prospect of death because you really don't have anything to lose, right? I just see it all as a learning experience. And I think people need to like, learn to laugh at themselves a little bit more and learn to realize that, look, this is what, what growing is all about. And yeah, there's going to be cock-ups along the way, but that, that, that is life. That is living. And if you're just going to take the easy path all the way um there's this quote i saw recently actually i really liked it i wrote on my wall don't live the same year 75 times and call it a life and um it's perfect and it sort of just shows that that's what i think a lot of people do do and i think if you do do that and you're sort of sitting in your rocking chair at 75 or maybe a bit later nowadays like 90 and you're looking back on your life and you've literally just done the same thing every single year i mean have you really lived that's a question you've got to ask yourself. But I think, I think there's definitely a shift going on at the moment, and I think people are starting to look at their own lives, and I think especially our generation, they're starting to think, do you know what, I'm going to do more of what I believe in rather than what society is telling me to do. And I think that will, over time, produce happier people with less regrets yeah, if they have the balls to, to do see, it. It's interesting to see where all this will lead. You know, If everyone's just pursuing their passions and nobody wants to do these you know, really crummy jobs, 
and AI and robotics and computers yeah. are doing all the mundane tasks, you know. Yeah. Are we all just going to have, like, basic income? We're just going to be chilling and uh, smoking? Yeah, well, they've, got that, doing they've got that concept, haven't they? What, is it universal basic income? And they're trialing it in yeah. different places all over the world right now. Um, so where do you see the future of all this going? Because every generation, like, you see some advancement, you know, like... When yeah. I um, talk to my mother and she's like, ah, oh, when I was your age, things suck so bad and I had to do this, I had to work two jobs and blah, blah, blah. And I just explained to her, like, look, this is, this is human progress, you know, we're making life better here on Earth. And, yeah. And uh, it's interesting to see where it leads. Where do you think all this will lead? God, these are big questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I'm, I'm fascinated and especially as, like, my, my job's an airline pilot and so a lot of that is automated, so I always wonder how long is it going to take until this job gets taken over by robots and automation? And it's always an interesting discussion that we have in cockpits and any sort of low-skilled job or anything that requires a lot of repetition, it is going to be wiped out. And there's lots of documents and there's lots of articles online that are warning people. And governments are very aware that this is coming as well. And from what I've read, there's no real solution. And that's why it's going to be very interesting. And that's why I think that people that are aware of this need to sort of make sure that you have several forms of income, that you're as skilled as you can be, you have as many opportunities in as many countries as possible, you speak as many languages as possible, and you basically make sure that you're marketable for the future, that you're future-proof. Because if you're not future-proof, you're going to be in trouble. And I think if we live in a society where everybody gets a universal basic income, then how do you ever get ahead? Are we all just going to become robots? Are we all going to become like the same person? Um, <laughs> have, you Elon Musk? Uh, have you read the book Childhood's End? Basically, no. these, these overlords come uh, from outer space and create a society of abundance, like a utopia, and suddenly okay. everyone has everything they want. There's no more war, nothing like this, but um, humanity loses its ambition. Humanity loses its creativity. Yeah. Well, I totally agree with that. And Elon Musk said in an interview recently, and it, it, it really sat with me, he said the main problem here is going to be that humans are going to lose their meaning. They're going to lose their purpose. Why are we here sort of thing? Because he said at the moment, whether we like it or not, most people define their purpose or why they're here by their jobs. Now, if no one has a job, why are they getting up in the morning? And if they are getting up in the morning and everything's done by robots... How do they motivate themselves? How, do, what, how They're going to really struggle in terms of why are we here? If the robots do everything, what's my real purpose? And he said that is the biggest sort of challenge in the future. And I saw that, that really, um, yeah, that sat with me and I thought that really is the biggest challenge in the future. Well, you know, you can think of it as a challenge, but me personally, I'm optimistic. I'm really optimistic because I'm already benefiting from a lot of technology and automation. Yeah. We're benefiting from technology right now when we're having this free call. Uh, oh, don't get me Kong. wrong. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. mean, life will be amazing as long as you adapt with it. But I think that there'll be a lot of people out there that won't adapt with it, and that'll be interesting. Yeah, but I do think that rather than being a challenge or a problem, I think it can create abundance. You know, um, mm. the way that we're mm. advancing human advancement, and you know, it's not just about changing the rules. I think it's a different game, and you know, nobody can predict exactly how it's going to play out, but. You know, my one of my favorite sayings is, if you want to predict the future, you have to create it. That's the best way. Yeah, yeah. I'd, so, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, so I had a conversation know. recently with someone who said that with stem cell technology and all that sort of thing, that he thinks within our lifetime, it will be possible to live till maybe 1,000 or maybe indefinitely. Right, through regenerating the cells and yeah. extending yeah. the telomeres. They've yeah. actually done a telomere extension experiment. And they have... Um, 
I've heard that there's a whale like on the coast of Iceland that they discovered that's uh, over 500 years old, Matt. Have you heard of this? Holy shit. No. Go on. What? And it's got some sort of regeneration, like some natural regeneration process that goes on. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but um, yeah, since the time of Christopher Columbus, basically, when he discovered the New World, and so they, it has changed the paradigm a little bit. Like, you know, we do realize that it is possible. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then we have this conversation about what would you do if you lived for a thousand years? <laughs> exactly. What exactly. would you it do, Matt? Think, could, doesn't could you it? Give me, could you give me an idea? Like, what would you do on your 200th or 400th um, birthday? Well, I'm fascinated by space, and I think it will be definitely within our reach, within our normal lifetime anyway. But if we started living longer and longer and longer, um, yeah, I'd want to explore more and more different dimensions and keep pushing. I think as long as you keep pushing back, Andrews and keep doing different things and keep growing and keep interested in life then um yeah i think everything will be fine but uh, but then when he said well what about indefinitely i i couldn't really even get my head around that i mean a thousand years is a long time i mean surely you could do well a hundred lifetimes in a thousand years so what more would there be left to do but then like you just said as technology is constantly evolving and at an exponential pace right now who knows what's going to be like, what the world's going to be like in 100 years or 200 years. So I think outer space and uh, in, interplanetary exploration and all that, I think that would open a whole new, a whole new game. <laughs> <laughs> Create a colony on Mars, huh? <laughs> well, and beyond, way beyond, like outside, <laughs> our, outside our solar system. Like, let's go properly exploring. So here's what I took away from that. Uh, keep pushing the boundaries. Keep uh, exploring the frontier and... You know, I'm thinking about this in my own life, like in my personal life. Like yesterday, I felt like I was just so unmotivated, you know, like, and I was wondering, why is there so much resistance in me to, you know, working, like doing this stuff? I've been doing this for a while. Like, you know, I love this stuff. I love writing, for example. And yeah. I, I realized, like, you know, the reason why I'm not in a state of non-resistance is because I feel like I need to keep doing something new. I feel it's, like I need it, to keep that's learning. That's key. Yeah. And, and I did an interview with someone called Leveson Wood. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's the first guy that walked down the Nile. He's been on TV a little bit, and he had a quote in his interview, and it said, um, keep interested, and um, life will stay interesting in terms of the more that you do stuff and the, and the more that, that you engage in life and that you go for life, and then other people will find you interesting, and then you, you will just find everything just in general more interesting. And I think as long as you're engaged, it's like kids at school. A lot of them aren't engaged, so what a surprise, they're bored and, and they don't pay any attention and they don't really get any productivity or go anywhere. But if the kids are engaged and there's active learning going on, sometimes you can't stop people because they're in that zone and they feel like alive and they just go. Yep. And that's, that's what I want. That's, that's what I'm trying to cultivate, that state of non-resistance, that, that lack of internal resistance. And it's really a state of flow. And the I flow state, yeah. Exactly. And I think it's the key to all high productivity, you know, to all top achievement. And yeah. I'm thinking, like, you know, how, what's the best way to, to achieve? Like, do I always need to be pursuing the next high or, you know, can I be smart about this? Can I be diligent about it? Are you asking me how to do it? I, I, I'd like to know. You or are you just because, wondering yourself? Or? Yeah, because, I, like, I have to remind myself, you know, like, I'm, I'm writing a new book, um, you know, I'm starting a new business, and business is going well, but God, I'm bored, you know? And right. it's like, I've done all of this before. Like, I should be an yeah. expert at it. I should be, you know, really excited to, yeah. to grow but at this. Yeah, it's repetitive. And, yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, and I it's just... it's not new. Yeah, yeah, I need that novelty. But is it something, like, do I need to continue to chase 
uh, the new thrill or the new high or do I need to always learn a new language? I mean, you know, it's, it's fine and I'm making, advancing, but there's some things I do really well. Like, why can't I just keep doing them? You know, why do I, am I so unmotivated? <laughs> I think that's like down to personal preference, but I also think it's down to opportunities which are created but also presented. I think all of us in life, as long as you're meeting new people and pushing forward, there are always opportunities to go and do new things. It's just whether that you you say yes and go and do it or whether you say, no, actually, I'm just going to stay with what I'm happy with. And I try as much as possible to say yes to things because I think it's interesting. And it does, to sound corny, it does put you outside your comfort zone. And you, and you, and you are a little bit like, I'm not sure about where this is going or how this is all going to pan out or how good or bad I am going to be. But it's healthy. And I know that that's, that's what you have to do to stay interested. And sometimes you'll be like, nah, this isn't for me. But other times you're like, wow, I'm, I'm glad that I went for this because otherwise all this other stuff wouldn't have happened. Say yes to things. That seems to be a common denominator from a lot of people who have interesting yeah. lives. You know, I wouldn't say just yes blindly to. say yes to absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think, okay, here's opportunity A. Why, why not? And if you can't give yourself a very good reason immediately, then do it. Because if the more you mull over stuff, of course you can sort of justify why not. But at the end of the day, that's all just a load of bullshit. That's just you being a bit scared. Yeah, that's, I love that. So that's a great life philosophy. I've heard this saying, um, err on the side of action, make um, mistakes of ambition, not of sloth. And it's great because your mistakes are fertile. Your mistakes are instructive. You know, if, if, as long as you took action, you can feel proud for taking action. Even if of you course, flat on it's all face. experience at the end of the day. You're just filling up your experience bank. Yeah, and then you do better the next time. You've lost nothing. Yeah, and you also train yourself not to be scared of cocking up next time because you're just like, oh, it's all right, I've cocked up before. No, again, no one's died. We will move forward. The sun will still come up the next day. Exactly, yeah. Like, like if you've been fired for your job before or you know, if you've relocated another country and then your girl broke up with you like the day after you arrived, uh, yeah. you know, and then it's, you've, you've experienced like these. It's like, well, you know, here's what happened and I survived that and I'm actually better off now. I'm glad that I'm not with her anymore because my life is so much better now. Or and sometimes they sort of, again, you know, I, I didn't get to finish all the story, but I have experienced redundancy and all that sort of stuff you just discussed. And at the time, it's a bit of a shock to the system. But um, it's good because it sort of forces you to make certain decisions or it forces you to review things when maybe you wouldn't otherwise, because, again, you're comfortable. Whereas if you get forced into these positions, you don't really have a choice. And you're just like, well, now what are you going to do? So I'd like to get into a process starting with, um, you know, when you fail, how yeah. do you respond and come back stronger? Like I like to, you know, give myself a deadline for how long I'll feel bad about something and yeah. I'll be like, okay, I, I'll let these emotions pass. Um, I think before the interview we were talking about not making permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. So yeah, that's really important. Like when you're tired mm -hmm. or you're hungry or you're stressed, you should never make big decisions. In fact, the, the way I deal with it is fail okay whatever's happened has happened relax like there's nothing you can do about it now that, that's that's gone and then um i might just chill out for a few days and genuinely i just go into nature because nature for me is like a big reset just literally just walking in the hills or something like that and i find that just a couple of days just walking in nature with no technology or anything like that things start to um make sense a little bit more and it's almost like a sieve like you've got all this stuff and you're sieving and then stuff starts falling through and you can start make sense of it and then you're like right okay go back time to pick yourself up pull your socks up and carry on that's how i deal with it 
I don't, I don't try and get too an- analytical about it or too stressed about it or any of that because it's happened in the past and it will happen again in the future. And I think it's personal coping mechanisms. But I think some people can go into some crazy big downward spirals. And um, it's because they don't know how to sort of reset themselves. And it's completely optional, you know, whether of you course want to go that spiral or not. Um, of course it is. But perhaps they just don't lack the awareness. Like, they don't realize that um, I am in the driver's seat. I can pull out of this spiral and ride the course. It might not be a clean process, but it can happen. Mm-hmm. And I also think people tend to like to blame other people or the situation or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's you that's got to take responsibility. Whether it's your fault or not, it doesn't matter. Um, I can't remember the quote, but basically when shit happens, it's it's more about how you react to it. Like the shit has happened full stop. So there's no point sitting there for the next three months analyzing it. Just get over it and move forward. Exactly. Obviously try that, and learn uh, a lesson. Yeah. I was just going to agree with you. I was going to say that, you know, um, your energy and attention goes where your focus flows. So, uh, yeah, massively. You, you have to let go of the thoughts that don't make you strong. You have to uh, be able to replace those thoughts on whatever it is that's causing you pain and being able to focus those on something else and finding yeah. ways to do that. And for you, it's yeah. like, um, like you said, going into nature. Nature is a characteristic of uh, the feminine, it nurtures you, you know, it helps you to clear your mind. It just properly calms me down, yeah. It just calms me and it clears everything out. And then I just think it's like getting a white blank piece of paper and just saying, okay, let's start again. So when you start again, let's let's flip this around. You know, how do you, um, let's see, there's a two-part question, okay? So first, have there been like plateaus that you've reached in your life and um, new levels that you've reached? And how did you like push yourself to uh, play the game of life on a different level? Um, I was talking to some guys about this yesterday, actually. I I think all of us reach these sort of plateaus, and especially when you've had a big dream or a big goal and you sort of reach that goal and people feel a bit flat because they've been striving for it for so long and they get there and then they're like, hmm, okay, A, this wasn't as good as what I thought it was, and B, what's next? Um, And I think it's that what's next thing that I've always got in the back of my head, and sometimes that's not always a good thing because I think people do need to learn to be content and happy with what they've got or what they've achieved or whatever and I think some people are constant strivers and sort of again you get to sort of 90 years old and you've never really chilled out and just appreciated what you've got you've always just been strive 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 go 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 so in my younger years I was very much like that um I am trying to slow down a bit but it's not it's not happening I think I think the big thing is is I feel that like you say I I, I pop up onto this plateau I get a bit, get, bit comfortable. I'm just like, okay, this is all fine. Now what's next? And I think it all comes down to those ref- references again within yourself. You just think, if I can achieve this, now what's possible? Now what's possible? And I listen to lots of podcasts of uh, self-made billionaires because I'm fascinated by their mindset and how they work. And all of their regrets, almost bar none, are they wish they thought 10 times bigger when they were younger. So whatever their goals, whatever their dreams, they always say 10 exit now. And he said, that will scare you. But he said, if you do not do that, you're limiting yourself. And so I try and do that myself. And it is scary. So you can think of the biggest, crazy, most, most audacious plan ever. And then times that by 10. It's scary. 
but it's interesting. How do we do that, though? Like, do we just eat more vitamins? Do we get better sleep? <laughs> um, you know, how do I operate like a 10 times Danny? You know, <laughs> you don't have to not sort of necessarily operate at that. But but let's say you have the, your biggest plan, and let's sort let's say we call it Plan A. Yeah, and you just think, right, here's my life plan, and then I come along and say, okay, now let's make this 10 times bigger. It will mean that everything you do, you're doing with scaling in mind or with the much, much bigger picture in mind. Because what these guys are saying and girls are saying is that you might eventually achieve your initial aim. But then when you get there, you're thinking, okay, how do I scale this? But because you haven't built it properly from the start, you're having to do so much more work to go backwards to go forwards again. And so what they're saying is if you have a much, much bigger plan, even if you only get 60% there, it's still way further than what you would have done previously. And everything's built with the, with the grand vision in mind from the beginning. And for, from my own life, it makes an awful lot of sense. An awful lot of sense. Yeah, that's great. We had Natalie Sisson on this podcast. She's the suitcase entrepreneur. And she says that you, you, you need to use intention, visualization, and uh, you need to paint the picture, perfect picture of your life. Have a clear vision for your life and paint that picture. Yeah, do you, do you have like a, do you have a visualization like this is who Matt Pryor is and then you take the steps to become that person? Um, so visualization for me personally is extremely powerful and uh, whenever I do anything I'm not really sure about or is a bit crazy, I always visualize that it's happened because you can trick your brain that it's actually happened and your brain thinks it's happened. So when it when it happens or when you're almost there, it's not as hard as if you haven't even thought if you haven't thought about it before. And B, in terms of, I have a rough plan. I always have a rough plan, but I think anything, and the military taught me this, like you've got to remain flexible all the time and not rigid as rigid because you never know who you're going to meet, what experiences are going to come away, uh, what opportunities are going to come your way as technology changes, as society changes. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's so much change at the moment that if you're not adaptable to change, then I think, yes, you can have a plan in 1996, but is it still valid in 2006, 2016, 2050? Do you see what I mean? So I have like a, I have a rough direction. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. This is my aim, and I'm going to stay focused on it. And all this stuff clicks into it. And anything that doesn't align with this, I'm not interested. So that's that's generally how I operate. But if I then meet person B, and they're like, Matt, have you considered this whole new world? And I'm like, whoa. For example, AI and all that. And then you look at things and you think, okay, so this is the way the world's going. Is what my plan, is that relevant? And if it isn't, you need to change early because eventually um, just the way that the world works, you're going to get spat out the other end if you don't keep up. Yeah, it's so funny. I laugh because I was just, um, I recall the quote that I, I saw this week. It was from Confucius. Yeah. And, you know, it blows my mind. People are taking advice from Confucius who lived like 3,000 years ago. Uh, yeah, but a lot of these rules are still very true today, aren't they? Well, the quote, the quote was, it doesn't matter uh, how fast you're going as long as you never stop. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's horrible advice. It does matter how fast you go. <laughs> you know, you can't just crawl and expect to get anywhere. And, and you've got to keep up. Interesting. So the way I interpret that is um, one of my <laughs> favorite books is called The Slight Edge. And that book is just talking about tiny little steps every single day. And that will get you where you want to go. And maybe if, if day you have by like day. a big overarching vision of your life, um, but not if you have like a certain specific goals, like I want to publish a book, like, okay, well, is the book going to take you 50 years or, you know, are you going to finish in five months? 
I agree. But then you've got to think, well, what's the aim of the book? Like, do you want to write the best book possible? And if so, maybe that does take time. Maybe you can't rush these things. Do you want to do a book to leverage yourself to get into whatever? Then, yeah, you've got to hit the deadlines because it's a stepping stone. Yeah, I've always found for myself that um, I need to keep moving. I need to keep innovating. I need yeah. to keep implementing fast just so I can stay one step ahead of the devil, you know, just so I can survive and Especially continue, in continue tech. Thrive. Yeah. I have to stay ahead of my competitors, you know. I have to be able to do things on a better level. I have to be better than myself that I was yesterday. Exactly, because if you get lazy and rest on your laurels, somebody else will overtake you. And as we become more and more of a globalized, interconnected world, whereas it might have been only sort of these type of people, now it's everyone. The internet is a real leveler, and um, and everyone's got 24 hours in a day. And I really think that um, it's leveling the play, playing field. I think it's good, but I think at the same time that if, if you don't keep working hard and keep on top of things, people are going to catch up and overtake you. So, Matt, you've achieved more than uh, – in 32 years, you've achieved more than most people have in their entire lives. You know, what's your formula for <laughs> you. high achievement? You know, what's the process that you use to set and achieve goals? Um, set and achieve goals. Well, yeah, like, um, you know, like we have uh, – I did an article on John Goddard, you know. He had the uh, ultimate bucket list and yeah. he created a bucket list of like 193 goals that he uh, wanted to achieve. Um, I'm sure you've probably heard of him, right? Yeah, yeah, I have. I'll just pull that out, article up here. Yeah, so he's the world's greatest goal achiever. So he had like this list of goals, and he achieved like almost all of them. Um, do you just like, uh, are you just really stubborn, I guess? You know, just like, all right, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make it happen. I mean, how do you like plan yeah. to, to so do I'm, something like? So I'm very hard on myself, but also I think the biggest thing is just keeping shit really, really simple. Like really simple. I, here's my list of goals. Go and do it. That's it. Full stop. There's no more thinking than that. And then, yes, let's say goal number one. Obviously, there's going to be little steps to get to that goal. But I don't need to think about that stuff. I don't need to write it out. I just need the final goal. And I need to know that I keep, need to keep continuously working towards that goal all the time. And it will eventually happen. And that is literally as much as I think about stuff. Uh, I listen to a podcast yeah. about productivity and getting shit done. And um, this guy gets paid an awful lot of money to consult with companies, and this company was in trouble, and blah, 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 blah. And he was just like, I will increase your productivity overnight by 25%. And he said, I'm not going to charge you anything, but if I do deliver this, you can pay me what you think that's worth. And uh, so all he did is he went in, and he went to all the office staff, and he said, get a Post-it note and stick it on your computer, write down the five tasks that you need to do, prioritize them, and do them. That's it. That's all he said. An overnight 25% increase. And he got paid millions for it. And it really, and it sat with me, that story, because can you see how simple that is? He yeah, said, there's no bullshit. There's, there's no theory. There's no thinking. Don't stop giving yourself excuses. Just look at that post-it note and do that job properly. That's it. And I think people overanalyze and overcomplicate and overthink and what about this and what about that and I need to spend the next four months designing and planning all this just in case this goes wrong and continue to see this I think you've just got to have a lot more um, self-belief like genuinely believe in yourself and think look there's there's so many stories out there of all these people that have done such amazing stuff and generally if you compare it to what you're actually trying to achieve 
you're way down the list. And there's no reason at all why you can't achieve that. And I think that, that that's that's just the way that I work, really. Like, there was a guy recently who's just done the um, Marathon de Saab with, well, he's a double amputee. So he's got no legs. And I'm constantly reading these sorts of stories, and it sort of constantly drives me. It's just like, if these guys can do that, you can do your crap, Matt. Power of perspective. I read a great article recently. Yeah. Um, it's about seven life lessons from a guy who can move nothing but his face. Yeah. Have you, have you seen that one? No. Uh, he's living like a digital nomad. He's like a millionaire now, and mm-hmm. he's in a wheelchair. He can't move his arms or his legs. Mm-hmm. But he's able to accomplish all of these things in his life. So it's like, exactly. what the heck am I doing? Exactly. What, what, what the hell? And this is my sort of frustration with people. It's just like, be serious. Mm-hmm. Put everything into perspective. And this is what all the travel and adventure and everything does for you. Keep shit simple. Put things into perspective and do what you say you're going to do. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And, and then you I just mentioned that you're frustrated with people because people don't, they don't follow oh, through. They don't, uh, you know, they don't, they, maybe they lack the personal power or the agency or the confidence to... Just, you know, say you're going to do something and do it. Paralysis by analysis exactly. is such a problem in human beings. And it's obviously fear as well. I think a big thing is fear that people struggle to get over. And you said but, you, don't, uh, you don't have fear because you've just done so much. You've experienced yeah, the I, worst already and you stop fearing it. And I think that for me, like, if I have, uh, you mentioned simplicity. That is so important because we overwhelm ourselves. And I, I, t- I find it helps if I trick my mind a little bit because if I have another goal behind my first goal, it puts less pressure on the original one. You know, because mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like all right, I just want to hurry up and get this over with. Okay, I'm going to drive a, a rickshaw across India. Let me just hurry up and get this over with because I want to write a book about it afterwards, or I want to do something else. So then you never take any success like it's success or failure. Like it doesn't make you. You know, it doesn't define you. you know, no, like, and I think some, I think go on. Yeah, well, there's a quote by Winston Churchill that just says, you know, success isn't final and failure is not fatal. And you just have that courage to continue. That's what matters. Yeah, yeah. And something you just reminded me about is the other thing is focus, like laser focus. Because there's so many distractions nowadays, so many. Um, And I think, and lots of articles have alluded to this, but the future, the successful people in this world are going to be the people that can focus. Because... So many people I know just go off on tangents so often that um, they never actually get anything done. There's so many opportunities. There's, there's so much out there that they, they don't know where to focus. And so I think once you have your goals, you now need to focus on those goals. Turn everything off, else off. Turn all, that other, all the other distractions off and stay very, very focused. And I think that's another thing people really struggle with today. And it will get worse and worse, I reckon, as all this AI and all these flashy things come into our lives yeah that's a great point and i think what we we mix up our priorities you know because if you're learning how to play chess the fastest way to get better at chess is to focus on the goal focus on the outcome that's to checkmate the king you know but Mm -hmm. then a lot of people they become addicted to the process they become addicted to the struggle so they don't they forget the original goal in the first place you know they learn like the opening moves how to move your pawn how to move your horse you know they they know all like the the combinations of pieces that all, all that stuff when they forget what the original outcome was, you know, I think it's very instructive. Yeah, you can definitely get lost. And, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I think, like you say, about experiences and stuff, I think that is 
just talking to you that I'm having a bit more of a realization in, in terms of it puts everything into perspective and you can really think um, and and simplifying everything. I think if you if you have if you simplify things and keep things in perspective and then are very focused on what you're looking to do, I, I don't see why there's any reason why you can't achieve what you want to do. I really don't, and I hate excuses. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, like uh, just about a week ago or something, I just completed a, a motorcycle trip across Thailand, uh, all the south mm-hmm. of Thailand and central Thailand, and it's like I don't even think about that trip anymore. You know, it's like I'm at a point in my life where like. You know, this might be like the li- life, uh, adventure of a lifetime for some people, but it's like, I'm just m- moving on to the next thing already, you know? Like, I haven't even reflected on that. And, yeah. you know, like four or five years ago, like, I, you know, four years ago, I did a motorcycle trip across Vietnam, and that was a big thing for me then. Now it's like, well, it's just another, another week exactly. in my life, you know? <laughs> because, because it's now part of your comfort zone. Yeah. It's, so it's the, now something that's in your body that you're just, there's, you don't even worry about it. Those experiences have just completely changed my comfort zone, have changed my whole outlook on life, my whole paradigm. And they're all transferable as well. I mean, something that you might do in adventure and travel or something can be directly applicable in business. I never really understood Branson with his sort of mix of business and adventure. And now I do. I, I totally, totally do. And I can see why there's a love and a passion for both. And I can see how they're both um, interrelatable. And I can see how you one thing that you can learn in business can be directly applicable to adventure and vice versa. Oh, absolutely. I think, as far as getting I think out of your comfort zone and yeah, being proactive. Yeah. So, yeah, so let's talk about business and finances a little bit. How do you fund all these <laughs> adventures? Because that's obviously the biggest thing that holds people back is, you know, I have to work. I have to show up for my job. Um, you know, I can't afford to just go to India and drive a rickshaw around or go to Peru and drive a motorcycle across South America? You know, how will I survive? How will I afford all of this? Um, well, I've written a few articles for Red Bull on this sort of stuff because, like you say, that these are the sort of common questions, and so why not put it all in an article so that it's simple? I think the biggest thing, as with all this stuff, is prioritization, and I've done a lot of stuff on a shoestring literally almost no money whatsoever and just willing to wild camp and live on whatever the locals are living on and just get on with it and if i lose a bit of weight i lose a bit of weight this is my priority is not to eat my priority is to have fun and have an adventure like food's just a bit of energy to keep life going um and i also think that people they very much focus on saving rather than thinking about what they could cut out of their lives and I think if you save at the same time as cutting stuff out and selling stuff and living very frugally, I think that you, you can um, save quite a lot, a lot of money in quite a short space of time. It, it, it's all down to discipline at the end of the day. And, and I refuse to believe anything else. I, I didn't come from a silver spoon. I was never given a ton of money. Um, I've done all this off my own back. So I know what it's like to be in these situations, which is, again, a big reason why I refuse to accept any excuse. Apart from stuff like, I don't know, 24-hour disability or you're a carer for some. Do you know what I mean? There are a few genuine things out there that you just like, look, that is hard. But 99% of people who will be listening to this podcast aren't in those situations. So I think the big thing is decide what you want to do, block the time off, save the money, go for it. And every single time your little man in your head says, oh, but what about this? Tell him to shut up because it's achievable. I have so much respect for you and what you're doing. And, <laughs> that sounds um, a bit blunt, doesn't it? <laughs> but I am a bit like that, Danny, because we can beat around the bush and we can be all nice and stuff to people. But at the end of the day, I think people need some home truths sometimes. 
and it's not taken so well. But sometimes 24 hours or 48 hours later, people come back and they say, do you know what? You're, you're right. So some of the things that you're doing, you know, I, I've been on quite a few ventures myself, but some of the things are just out of my paradigm, you know, like how you're even able to make a career out of being an adventure consultant. Like that just seems so out of my reality, you know, because I've always been like a marketing consultant or doing something yeah. like a grown up job. And here you are, you know, this is like an adventure consultant. And I'm thinking like, how on earth could I actually make like a full time income doing something like that? Like I have tremendous respect for you. You know, you're, you even shake up my comfort zone with a lot of the stuff you're doing. Um, I just want to give you props, man. Thanks, thanks, Danny. I'm not very good with compliments. I sort of just go a bit <laughs> quiet. <laughs> but well, um, here's the thing: like, I think that you should own your compliments, man. You should just say thank you because um, I was reading this article. No, I really appreciate it. Like, yeah. I'm smiling behind the phone. <laughs> I read that when you when you own your compliments, you just say thank you. Like, you give yourself permission to become that person. You know, to become yeah. that awesome person th- that you're trying to be. I think the um, I think the big thing is because I've been involved with the military so much. It's very it's sort of negative training. They always focus on the negatives, which makes you better. And so, but it, it becomes a very sort of negative, 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 negative. It's very, very rare they will ever say, "Well done, you did that good." Very, very rare. And so, in my head, it, I always have. So, whenever anyone's nice to you, it's always a bit like, mm, "Not really sure what to say here." This never happens. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And in terms of just coming back, uh, I am a full-time airline pilot, and that gives me money and time to play with things. Okay. And when I lost my job out of the Air Force and came to Hong Kong, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And after many discussions from being a monk to maybe going for a CEO job or working in the city or special forces or entrepreneur or war photographer, like there's lots of different things going on in my head. I just thought, if you become an airline pilot, this will give you money and time to experiment with all this other stuff that you want to do. And that's very much the phase of life that I'm still in. And I'd love to go full-time with my adventure stuff, and I'm determined that I will, but it all takes time. Yeah, but you've come very far in this uh, journey, and what are some of your favorite stories? You know, What are some of the favorite experiences that you look back on your life? I'm sure you probably don't spend much time looking back, but... No, I, for, I don't. For those of us that need, you know, inspire the the young uh, younger generations, the, the yeah. younger mats who are coming after you and following your footsteps. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing is is when when you're young and you think you don't have any money, that is the time to go and play. And I think a lot of people sort of get trapped into this work mentality too early on. But I definitely say you've got to spend time all the way through your life playing, experimenting, going on ventures, going traveling, and really sort of working out what life's about and working out who you are and what you like to do and what experiences you like and what type of people you like to be around. Because I think once you know that, you can start making some really good decisions of what you want to do career and lifestyle-wise. I think far too many people focus on this is the ideal job. And then they just accept whatever lifestyle that job gives them. Because I don't think many people consider lifestyle. I think they consider the job first. And I think that's one of the um, biggest downfalls that a lot of people make and a lot of people that I come across who've got regrets. Like they might be very successful on paper, but they're not very happy. Or I was with a load of these private bankers yesterday. I was doing a talk with them. And um, a few of them got a bit teary after a few glasses of wine because they'd sort of realized that, yes, you might have made it to position X, and you might have all this money in a nice house, but 
what if you died today, have you had a good life? And it, and it really hit a lot of them hard. And th- I think that's the truth. So I think um, there's a few, like I'm a big believer on the, on the regrets of the dying. I, I'm sure you've heard of it, but there's like this big study done of all these, uh, by this nurse about all these people that are about to die. And she just asked them, what are your biggest regrets from life? And it was all condensed down into the top five regrets. And I sort of cross-check everything that I do in life against those to make sure that I don't end up like one of those people um, and, and when I say one of those people, it is the majority and that will happen to us unless you actively make decisions that it doesn't happen to you. Um, so I just cross check everything by that. And that pushes me as well. It really pushes me in terms of, um, this is really uncomfortable and it's not really something that I would normally do, but fuck it. I'm going to go and do it because I don't want these regrets. I think maybe you should sugarcoat your message cause you, you being <laughs> the hard truth, bringing these bankers to tears here. Uh, well, like I say, that, that wasn't actually me. That was after the talk. They were just okay. sort of standing and around in a bit of a, a circle. And um, <laughs> What are you doing with it, your life, you bankers? <laughs> yeah, and, it, and I didn't say a word, and it was just them. I'd, all I'd done a talk on a little bit of my life, basically, and maybe it sunk in with a few of them it, because it's so different to just being, say, a banker from the age of 20 and just resigning your soul to it and working however hard they work. And yeah, you've got tons of money, but they're, they're very one-dimensional and don't really have much else. And I know that's a generalization, but um, these guys and girls were sort of criticizing themselves and talking about their own lives. I, I was I was just there. I didn't say a word. And um, they were just asking me a bit about it. But it was them that got teary-eyed because I think it was just a realization that, I don't know, they're sort of pushing 50 years old. And if they did die and they did look back on their lives, they've just sat in an office and made a load of ones and zeros. Yeah, and this kind of brings this whole conversation back full circle because we were talking a bit about uh, utopia and abundance earlier. And it's really about like a place of comfort. And I'm thinking like, is life really worth it without some discomfort, without some pain, without I think you need to have all that. It's part of life. Yeah. It's massively part of life. And I know as human beings, we always take the easy option, but that doesn't produce the best result. And I think you need to go through adversity and you need to go through hardship. And you, and that also makes you value when things are really good because you appreciate it way more. Yeah. And with, if you're completely comfortable in your life, then there's no growth. There's no progression. There's no... Like no, and then depression situation. sets in, midlife crisis, blah blah mm-hmm. blah I mean, look at the majority of people. That, that's what happens. Yeah, great advice. And, you know, sometimes I absolutely hate, like, this pain when I'm going through it. Like, you know, if I'm trying to do something new and I feel like... Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm mostly talking about work, you know, like... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I agree. It's like, it's like, well, who am I to, to fill these shoes? You know, who am I to have the audacity to even attempt this? You know, and, I, and sometimes I feel like, you know, like if I'm, when I was cycling across Mexico, I was like, what the hell am I doing out here? You know, I'm like, in the middle of the damn <laughs> desert. It's like, yeah. what kind of stupid idea was this? You know, yeah. I didn't even have yeah. like the, the right tools or materials or anything for this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's another thing that, that I find as well that, but I think it's good. I think it's good to go through those because like you say, you remember that. Like those that's are, obviously had an impact on your life. Those are the favorite, my favorite memories, you know, like when. If everything goes according to plan, like you just forget about it. You remember the rainy days best, you know, because yeah. they were the most difficult, but you, you pushed on anyway. Yeah, when shit happens. And in terms of, uh, uh, I, I genuinely believe sort of life, life is about stories and stories about everything going perfectly right is just boring. 
So, Matt, if you had one story that you wanted to leave us with, that you wanted us to remember, yeah. and I'm putting you on the spot here, but... Uh, you really about, are. Life's about being on the spot, you know, even in a podcast <laughs> conversation. <laughs> um, uh, what would that be? I wouldn't say it was a story as such, but I think it was definitely something in my life that... Uh, so, we were driving this London taxi around the world, and... Um, there's a long backstory to it, but basically I was just high on life. I was just like, this is brilliant. We're driving this comedy vehicle. We're going to all these different countries, meeting all these different people, all this amazing, crazy stuff's happening. Life doesn't get much better. And whenever I, whenever you think that, or whether, whenever you say that, obviously something else does happen and it makes you, it shifts your perspective again. And, um, there was a car coming at me. This was in Laos when I say coming at me slowly. And it was obviously a really old car. And later I found out built in 1928 with wooden wheels and he stops right in front of me. So I can't go past him and he gets out flailing his arms. He looked a bit malnourished and it was this Argentinian guy and he'd been driving this car around the world for 13 years with his wife. They set off just to do like a three month trip and they'd had four kids and they'd homeschooled them all. They were all multilingual and the oldest was 11 years old and he spent 11, the first 11 years of his life going around the world in this old wooden 1928 car and it, it just blew me away and I just thought all right there's pros and cons to doing that but it, it sort of shifts your perspective again on, on what is possible and why not go and do that sort of stuff and they were living on rice and water they weren't like wealthy by any means but they were just massive believers in experience and life and living and they're just like, yeah, my kids, I mean, they'll, they'll still be able to go back to university, but I just wanted to give them a good start in life and show them what the world is and who's out there and what's possible. And then this will help them make better decisions. And it really sat with me. I just thought, like, he's a good dad. <laughs> and, and most people would be like, okay, he's a horrible dad. Like, what is he doing, I've, you know? Well, of course, yeah. I mean, like I say, there's pros and cons with it. There is pros no. and cons. But then we can rip apart the whole education system if you want, because I'm quite happy to do that, because I think that's defunct no, and no, outdated. No, I, no, no. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and he's, he's actually giving his children a head start. You know, he's giving them awareness of the actual world that we're They're still being homeschooled. Moment. Yeah. So, so they're still able to go to university. And they're still being social. They're still being social, and they're still interacting in different cultures and all that sort of stuff. And now, talking about comfort zones, you, you imagine taking these kids, and I genuinely believe you could put them anywhere in any situation, and they'd be totally fine. Now, there's not many people that have that sort of self belief because they haven't had those sorts of experiences. And to have those experiences, to have those beliefs, and have those skills at such a young age. Such a young age, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've had to so, like acquire my confidence, like kicking and screaming, because it went against everything that I was taught, everything that I was led to believe. Yeah, most of us have. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. a slow process, isn't it? You sort of yeah. bash off the sides, and eventually you get there. But God, this, I wish that's I could what... be eighteen again. You know, with like <laughs> the knowledge I have now, I would do everything differently. And I, God, I can only imagine where I would be today. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but then you wouldn't be who you are and where you've got to today. So. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's yeah. Sometimes you can look at things in different ways. And I think the big thing is like you just got to keep looking forward and realize that it's everyone's on their own little journey and their own little path. So the and best time to begin was uh, 10 years ago, but the second best time is now. So yeah. begin making those, begin getting those experiences, acquiring those experiences, taking those chances, acquiring those failures and successes, and yeah. do the, as many as you can for as long as you can until you finally... Uh, 
can no longer. <laughs> Keep moving forward and stop stop giving into your excuses. I, th- I think I think that's the, the, the biggest thing at, at the moment on the way this conversation's gone. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did, Matt. Yeah, it was definitely uh, random and uh, not what I expected, but it's totally fine. Yeah, I'm happy to, as long as I hope it helped in some way. Well, what did you expect? Because I know you had a great interview with, uh, you were lying in two beds in a London uh, hotel room. (laughs) I'm I'm glad you're telling the world about this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was Uh, pretty unexpected too, so. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I like it. I like like the fact that it's different. I like that some that go down the rabbit holes and some some that are quite sort of structured. But I think the structured ones, I think the downside of the structured ones is is you, if you interview similar type people and let's say you do 100 of these, eventually you're going to get quite similar answers, which is good if people are looking to learn because they're like, hmm, there's definitely common themes going through this. But I think if you really want to get to know people and properly go down rabbit holes, I think sometimes you can end up in some very interesting conversations. So pros and cons. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. And, you know, I, I feel better now because your life outlook is very similar to my own and it gives me uh encouragement and confidence that i'm actually on the right path here so yeah because it can be quite a lonely life can't it doing this entrepreneurial sort of stuff exactly bouncing around the world and you can always be questioning yourself quite a lot and your family um, and stuff like they can't understand you because they're like you know what the heck are you doing out there in yeah (laughs) peru or uh yeah Madagascar. Yeah, my mum's yeah. just given up and she's like, do whatever you want, Matt. And my dad, just every single time, he's just like, I, I have no idea what you're doing or why you're doing this, but you seem to be doing all right, so carry on. <laughs> carry on. Uh-uh. Yeah. I love it. We'll end on those two words. Carry on. Thank you so much, Matt. It's carry been, on. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. Cheers, Danny. Good to talk to you. Take care. Oh, and right. um, yeah, so if you want to get more info from Matt... Uh, let me just get those uh, your website. Just do a shout out uh, where people can find more from you. From me, or you're going to tell them? Well, uh, your website is mattpryor.co.uk. Um, tell yeah. me about your personal website and also the Matt Pryor Adventure Academy. Okay, so uh, the mattpryor.co.uk is literally just an online CV with some glossy photos and links to all my social media stuff. I'm changing that slightly soon. Basically, I'm going to put my whole vision for what I want to do with my life on the internet to hold myself accountable, but also to potentially create more opportunity. So that will come online in the next couple of weeks. And then the MP Adventure Academy is um, for the one-week trips that I run in Indonesia. And that's for anyone who wants to give adventure a go with me as a safety net, ideally. Um, And that includes mountains, volcanoes, all forms of transport, day and night across four islands. Uh, You have no idea where you're going or what you're doing. You just turn up and meet me at the airport with 10 kilos of stuff. There's no internet, no phone signal, no hot water. And uh, yeah, the aim is to sort of allow you to dip your toe in all aspects of adventure and experience the highs and the lows in one week. And that is at uh, mpadventureacademy.com. If you just Google Matt Pryor Adventure in Google, a shitload of stuff comes up. <laughs> okay, awesome. And then you also <laughs> That's the have, simplest way of doing it. <laughs> I clicked on your blog, and you have uh, some articles you've written for Medium, and you have some insightful articles there. Uh, it says, experiences are the key to happiness. A lot of reading material. You've written uh, 
content for Red Bull. Had to yeah, start so I write for Red Bull on Adventure. Start and then I, and then I started a like a how adventures impacted different people's lives. Um, so that's sort of like a series that I'll keep continuing as and when I have time and as and when I can get hold of some of these people. But I think it's interesting for people to see um, where the impact happened and how different the people are. Because I think there's this sort of misconception, oh, you have to be this type of person from this background and you have to do it age 21 to 24 or, or it doesn't affect me. And I just, that's a load of bullshit. And I sort of want to try and show that with real people. Yeah, excellent. You have one uh, article here, How to Harness Fear to Live a More Fulfilling Life. Uh, you have some really interesting articles here, so you've given me some evening reading material. <laughs> and we'll put links to these in the show notes, so you can go to the blog and uh, click through to that and uh, get more stuff from Matt. Thank you so much, Matt. I hope you have a, a great rest of your day. Really appreciate it. No, really, thanks. Good to talk to you, Danny. And, uh, yeah, let me know if I can uh, help in any other way. I, d I don't want to come across harsh. I'm actually, like, a nice guy. And that's why I wrote those articles, because I was just like, okay, you can't just say this stuff. You've got to give people practical, practical, actionable advice. And so that's why I sort of distilled my ramblings into one page. You can't just say, stop being a bitch and just go for it. You have to uh, <laughs> draw it out a little more. There's a guy out there. I mean, anyone who is into a bit of uh, hardcore advice, there's a guy out there called Dan Pena. And um, his ethos is just fucking do it. And for me, I'm used to that, so that's like a, a military thing. But for other people, it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> hardcore. I mean, if you want some entertaining listening, you should go onto his podcast. He's called the Fifty Billion Dollar Man, and he is just full on. I'll, what's I'll, I'll what's let, the name I'll again? Let Dan Pena, P E N A. P E N A. Okay, I think I've heard of him. He's like, I'm actually thinking he's like of seventy-five-year-old uh... guy, and he is nuts, and he's done a lot of stuff in life as well. But he, he does not hold his punches. I was thinking of Shia LaBeouf in that video, uh, Just Do It. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> Yesterday you said tomorrow. <laughs> yes, you can, you know. <laughs> I love it. Well, you listen to this, this guy. He's like a whole new level. Oh, awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, take care, Matt. Thank you again. Okay. Cheers, Dan.